Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're, we're going, going to be launching into a three-week series on spiritual gifts, which are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And what I would, uh, what I would ask of you are a couple things. One thing for sure, I would hope maybe you'll read ahead through this passage uh, so that uh, God can prepare your heart for what is said and raise questions that you want to ask. I, I know one thing's for sure. As I preach today and preach the next two weeks, you're going to have some questions on some things. That's totally understandable, and we're happy to talk about those things with you. But in that process, what we don't want to lose is really the essence of what the, these texts are trying to teach us. Because um, there's, there's, there's really good words for us on what it means for us to be actively engaged in the body of Christ based on the way he has gifted us to minister his love to others. I mean, so there's the three weeks. I guess I could close in prayer. We could just end. But we won't, Okay. I don't know if you've had this experience watching basketball teams, football teams, you name it. I, I'm thinking of some of the Philadelphia teams. You may be thinking of other teams. That's fine. But in the history of some of the ball teams that I've watched, we've had some real hot dogs on some of our teams. And, 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 and you know how that can kind of grieve you when you watch a team play and you go, there's a lot of good players here. And this particular fella, he thinks he's God's gift to basketball or whatever the sport is. It doesn't matter, you know. And you watch that team and you watch the tension between the team and the division that develops between that team. And the guy's kind of oblivious and he's just going like, you know what I mean? Do you all know what I'm talking about if you watch sports at all? And as a fan, it drives you crazy. Because you keep thinking the way it could have been. That's not just true of ball teams, folks. That's true of Christian organizations. That's true of churches. And when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have a, a kind of a prima donna-like view surfacing Concerning some of the gifts. And, 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 and gifts which are supposed to be something that God gives me, gives you to minister to others for the glory of God. Become an opportunity for everybody to say, look at me. Do you see? And this text, as we understand it, will, will help with those kinds of attitudes but in the process, it will explain to us what it looks like for us to be a, a unit of one. Where everybody has, can you imagine, can you imagine a, uh, a, a unit in the army going out and having prima donnas there? Where one guy says, it's all about me, and the other guy, you, you, it, it, those of you come from, from the army, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
And God wants his church to function in this particular way. So I'm going to unpack the problem for you quickly. But where I really want to get is to the solution. And in talking about the solution, I want you to find your place in the body of Christ. If, if, if I get done preaching today, and you think, well, that's really good for the chapel to hear. I failed. What does God want from you as we work through this text? Is that fair? And will you pray that God's Spirit will do His work in your heart, whatever that means, as we talk through the text? Notice the problem, the surface, surfaces in the first couple of verses here. Oh, you know, I, I was going to mention, let me, let me mention this very, 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 very quickly. Here is a, a, probably a list that confuses you because I threw an awful lot onto a PowerPoint. But it is a list of all the spiritual gifts which are mentioned in Paul's letters. Okay? And anything that's in yellow is something that is only mentioned once in a particular text. And just, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all this stuff in, in detail. Here's what I want you to recognize. The gifts that Paul gives us are representative. They're not all the gifts. And the other thing I want to say about gifts when you think about them, there are times when God gives a special gift to an individual post-conversion that they never had before. That's true. But for many of the gifts, and when you look on the list in Romans 1, Romans 12, it becomes quite clear. For many of the gifts, these are natural abilities that God has given us from birth that are now dedicated to the glory of God, empowered by the Spirit for the good of others. So if you look up here and you say, I don't know if I see my gift exactly. It's okay. It, it's, it's okay. And, and, and I'm going to give you some advice at the end of what I would encourage you to do. But just looking at the gifts themselves, you can see the representative. And they group in, in a variety of different ways. So I, I think it's probably all I'm going to say about that. Um, here's the problem. The self-centered exercise of spiritual gifts we see it begin to surface, and then it's wetted all the way through, but it begins to surface in the first three verses. Look at what Paul says. And I'm reading from the NIV. Um, there, there, there's a couple times I'm, I'm going to just take issue with something that's translated here and try to explain it to you, but whatever. Let's see what happens. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, you have to know something right up front. <laughs> the Corinthians thought they were in the know. You know, so when Paul says something like, I don't want you to be uninformed, it's kind of a little bit of a subtle challenge back to them. All right? You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, and literally in the Greek it says this. My translation says, Jesus be accursed. It literally says this, Jesus accursed. That's all it says, and you've got to fill in the blanks. 
And translations have to make those determinations. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you. But when you read those verses, if you don't scratch your head, you're not reading. I mean, did you read that and go, well, that was easy. It's confusing. It's challenging. Let me just give you a little bit of background. In the ancient world, Corinth in particular, uh, and not too far away in the areas around, there was a lot of supernatural revelation given. Did you know that? You lived in a Greco-Roman world where everybody wanted to hear from the gods. And so you wanted to hear it through prophets or, or through divination or through oracles or through a whole series of ways. And, and s- certain places you could go and, and you could actually hear somebody speaking in a gibberish that you don't know and then it would be actually translated somehow by some pagan priest and you would say, okay, I guess I should take my army and storm that mountain. And that's what they would do. My, my point is, it's the world in which they lived. And God comes into that world and will often use similar kinds of means to say, I am the only true God. There is no other. And apparently, some people thought they could begin to use gifts for their own purposes. When it says some people were saying, Jesus accursed, who in their right mind would say, hey, I think I got a word from God. Jesus is accursed. I mean, can you imagine anybody applauding that one? Doesn't that sound strange? So, scholars try to explain it in a variety of ways. I'm just going to give you my take on it. Often that expression, if you take Jesus out and you put another pagan deity in, we have all kinds of of records of this in antiquity. What often would happen is, let's suppose I I don't like Tim Huff much. So... I'm going to go and I'm going to plead that one of these gods would put a curse on him. And you would have a whole formula for that. So I would address the deity and then I would say, let him be accursed. Do you see? And I thought, like, that's pretty cool. I'll use the deity for me. I think on the balance of the evidence, I think that's the kind of thing that's going on. Which means people are using gifts for themselves or think they are. How can I manipulate and use to do what I want with people to benefit me? And Paul says, the pagan world may do that, but that's not us. No, no. Jesus is Lord. So that everything I say and everything I exercise is under the authority of Jesus Christ for his glory and furthering his gospel. Do you see? So right up front, Paul's saying, you guys are, I I know you're doing what they do, but that's not what we do. Yeah, but it's cool. I don't care if it's cool. It's wrong. 
Can you see how easy it would be if I'm doing that to Tim Huff? For me to come into the chapel and think I have one over everyone in here. I mean, I find out that Phil down here has the gift of hospitality. He's just a great encourager. What's that, Phil? You know what I can do? If we have any of those kinds of attitudes about the gifts God has given us, we're heading in the wrong direction, folks. It's not his design. So look at how he tries to correct them and gives a series of solutions. I think he's telling them because they need to know this, they should know this, but apparently they've forgotten it. He says, I want you to remember three things. Three things or I can't remember now if I have two or three things. I have subpoints. We'll see. Here we go. Okay. First, the triune God is the source and the enablement for all spiritual gifts. Look at what he says in verses 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts. Phil does his thing. Victor does his thing. Oh, I'm just, now I'm pointing at Zach. Where's Zach? Zach does his. I was just talking to Zach. You know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different gifts. But listen to this, folks. The same Spirit. Hear the Trinity through this. The same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Do you know you can have a particular kind of a gift, and it may most effectively work with children. It may most effectively work with adults. It may work effectively with the elderly. There's all, you can take a gift and it has different avenues. Do you see? Okay. But it's the same Lord. Hey, I'm looking at all these different gifts. It's all from God. Hey, I noticed he's real good in this area. She, God. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them, and in everyone, it is, this, it, is, it is the same work of God. I think what this one is saying is this. Don't compare yourselves. So one person expresses their gift in this area, and there's effectiveness. God is at work. Another person does it over here, and there's effectiveness. But you say, hey, that's more than that. I'm better than... Do you see what I just did? Oh, no. There's different kinds of consequences and effects with those gifts. But the same God overall. If at any point as a body of Christ, we forget that it is the triune God, which has both, is the, both the source and the one that enables us to exercise that gift in a particular area with particular consequences. We've gone down the wrong road. They're good words, aren't they? If I believe that, then I believe everyone in here is valuable. Don't I? If I don't believe that, 
would it not be easy for me to say, who needs that person? Wouldn't it? That's what's going on at Corinth. And Paul is reining that in. This is the work of the triune God. Yes, yes, all this. It all comes back to God. Secondly, uh, th- there's just two points, and then there's a challenge. So, so, but this is a little bit longer. So here we go. But let me, let me read the point and then try to unpack it with you. The triune God has sovereignly designed Christ's body, that's us, with uniquely gifted and caring members to benefit others for his glory. Now, I want to just kind of talk through that. It comes in several stages, several chunks, as you look at this text. But, but that's, that's the point we're going to keep coming back to. Let me, let me read to you verses uh, 7 to 11. This, this is from the angle. We haven't been introduced yet to Christ's body, but we're getting there. He, he again is just t- telling you everything is directly connected to God. And he says, let me talk about the Spirit first. Look at what he says, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Do, do you see that? Chris, why does God gift you the way he does? That's what you get for sitting four rows from the front. It's for the common good. And Chris's gifts are not, oh, who do I want to pick on? Ryan's gifts back there. See, it doesn't do you any good sitting back there. Okay. Um, so, so, but the bottom line is it's all for the common good. It goes on to say this. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by the one Spirit. Are you getting the point a little bit? You're going like this is getting redundant. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now in this particular text, because of the challenge that's going on at Corinth, he largely isolates what we might call revelatory gifts. Where people get a word from God. And what we might call authenticating gifts. Gifts that show that this message of the gospel is true. And you can bank your life on it. So they authenticate what is actually being said. This apparently is where a lot of these Corinthians are residing. So he feels he needs to talk about that. But the bottom line is this. For none of these gifts... Can anyone step up and say, oh, I'm, a, I'm not very important because all I have is this. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever look at yourself in the body of Christ and say, who needs me? 
If I'm reading 1 Corinthians 12 correctly, we need you. And if you ever say, who needs them? You need to read this text again. Do you see? All of that is brought together because at the end of the day, if you don't like something, blame God. Because he's the source. Look what he says in verses uh, 12 and following then. Now from this point on, he's going to frame it in the context of a body. Now I thought you might be interested. Um, yeah, well, it's kind of interesting, is it? You go, what is that, Finkbeiner? Well, as you know, I was over in um, Turkey and Greece and some of these places. If, if you go, to, has anybody been to Corinth? Has anybody seen this? Okay. Oh, okay. So you can verify this, okay? I'm not, I'm not, not making this up. I didn't. What's that? Let's do it. That's right. That, I, I, and I, 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 that's another conversation. But yes, that's a good one. That's a good, good word. It's a good word. Um, they have found all kinds of body parts like this around Corinth. And this is just a representation of them. It's probably better that you can't zero in and see some of the smaller ones because it might be a little bit embarrassing if you could see what's represented there. And that's all I'll say. Okay. Here's the point. Uh, these are what you call votive offerings. So if I'm having a hard time with my leg, I have somebody make a, a, a form of that leg. I take it into some place, maybe for Asclepius or something, and I spend the whole night there, and I get out, and I say, my leg's feeling better, and I take that thing, and I leave it there as a votive offering, saying, thanks for helping my leg. So you got all that stuff going on. But here's what's interesting to me. When Paul talks about the importance of each member in the body, isn't it interesting that they understood, if they thought about it, the importance of body parts? Look, the older I get, the more body parts I'm feeling. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm finding parts in my hip that I didn't know existed. Yeah, yeah, everybody's going like, yeah, I'm seeing smiles everywhere now. Or people going like, oh, I know, I get, I get it, I get it. But, but, like, honestly, the older I get, the more I appreciate body parts that work together. Because <laughs> it doesn't always happen. The Corinthians should have got this one, folks. We should get it. Can I live without a finger? Of course I can. Is it as, is it as good as it could be? Am I as effective? Now, I have to make adjustments. And, and if that happens in your life, and it's God's sovereignty, God has a purpose. We get all that. But, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's not optimal. So look at what he says. Should I leave that up? I don't know. You probably won't even listen to me if I leave that up. What do I have? Oh, well, that, that'll really help. All right, we're coming to it. We're coming to it. All right, here we go. So let me read what he says. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Will you let that sink in? You mean... We are like a body in many ways? Yes. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. Now, the text is very clear. You don't get into the body of Christ by showing up on church, for church on a Sunday morning, do you? No. If you have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and asked him to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you of all your sins, in that moment, the Bible says, you, you know how we, we immerse people here? You've been immersed by the Spirit, and you are in the body of Christ for good. You've partaked of the Spirit. The moment you trust Him, the Spirit of God comes in and resides within you. Folks, what does that mean? That's awesome. God in us? I mean, what? And people say, I'm not very significant. My goodness, the God of the universe chooses to reside in us through His Spirit. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's great stuff, isn't it? But he goes on to say this. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason stop being part of the body, would it? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one. So, here it is. What if that was us? What if that was you? We rolled in today a person who can see very clearly. And that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. And so Paul just takes it to its logical end. Okay, 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 okay. The eye is the answer to everything. Fine. Let's just make, there it is. The point is this, folks. There is no place for an inferiority complex when it comes to the body of Christ. None. Zero. Because if you take it to its logical end, take that best whatever gift and say, okay, that's it. And that's about what you end up with. That's all. So he goes after the inferiority first, and now he comes, goes after a superiority complex next. You look at what he says. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Yeah, until you have to pick something up. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Because feet are dirty and smelly. And in that day, sandals, you got all this. You know, I'm the head. Yeah, you won't go anywhere, heady. So without that foot, do you see, I mean, don't tell me there's no humor in Scripture. I mean, just don't, don't, don't even go there. All you got to do is stop and imagine for a moment. You're like, that doesn't work very well. And, and we laugh at it because we say, that's ridiculous. 
It's true. And then sometimes we live that way. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Um, my, uh, I don't know, preachers and pastors, what are we, Tim? Are we mouths in the body of Christ? Something like that? I don't know what we are. Some, tongues? I don't know. You name it. We're, we're mouths. Here we are. We're, we're just this mouth. Um, mouth is important. Like, like, I'm all for it. We need it. But the mouth won't be able to do anything if my heart stops working or my liver doesn't function. Yeah, but I've never seen a liver. Probably good. You don't need to see the liver, but you need the liver. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. We don't know exactly what this is referring to. I, I kind of wonder if it's like feet, because he's already kind of attacked feet. And how do we honor feet in the ancient world? You come in, and what do you do with someone's foot? You wash it. You know, you don't normally wash the elbow. You wash the feet. Paul says, look, even then you go, it's just a dirty, smelly foot. Okay, fair enough. When somebody has you over, what do they wash? They wash your foot. So. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Perhaps talking about some of our private parts that we clothe. We clothe certain parts. We don't clothe other parts. And Paul says, is that not a form of honor for those parts? While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked. So that each one, so that, so that there should be no division in the body and that it, its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I think there's something here that's really powerful. I hadn't thought about it until this week. The Bible tells us just like the human body is honored by us, we cover certain parts for certain reasons. And in, in doing that, we honor them. This text says God honors his body also. Those parts in the body that are often considered by some not as significant. And then he goes on and what he says is you should care for anybody in that congregation that is struggling. Yeah, but it's not, doesn't matter. And the way God shows honor to the unpresentable parts is for you and I to value everybody in this congregation. God says, you find the people that, oh, look folks, I, I hate to say this. In the church of Jesus Christ today, the, the business model of running a church, which, which we really have pushed back against here, is all about numbers and performance and who can give us more money and you just name all those kinds of things. We've chosen as a church not to make that our, our purpose. 
And it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with that too. I get it. We, we do. Because if we live like that, we will find people that can't give us those things and we will discard them. Do you see? And God says everybody is important and the way we express that in God's body is we reach out to one another and we say, are you hurting? Let me pray for you. I value you because God values you. You're my brother. You're my sister. Because that's who we are. Do you see the difference? That business model stuff drives me out of my mind. Plus, I'm not a real good business person. So it probably doesn't help. But, but, but do you, you know what I'm saying? There's just a lot of glitzy stuff going on. And, and I'm, I'm sure we've been guilty of it too. Okay, but we at least try not, we try to deal with it is all I can tell you. Does that make sense? I should get off of that. What's next? You're going to like, think about it, I'm not, okay. So, Paul comes and says this at the end, in verse 27 to 29. And again, there's a, there's a textual challenge here. So I'll try to explain it to you without getting greaky on you. But I think it's important. I think in verse 27 to 31, he wants to give a final challenge before he moves on to another point. And I think what he's going to do is he's going to compare God's perspective with their worldly perspective. So he says this. Because for many of them, if you want to be in the if you want to be in the know, if you want to really have it together, you got to be able to speak tongues. You got to have prophecy. You got to do certain things just like us to really be in the in group. And God's saying, no, the body of Christ is broader than that. It includes a lot of things. So look at what he says. God's perspective, verse twenty-seven. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Yeah, but all I can do is encourage people. Okay, all right. Stay with me, Paul says. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles and second prophets and third teachers. And I think the reason he's saying it is at the end of the day, that is the foundation of the church. It's got to be God's revelation of his gospel, which was given to us through these apostles. And that's built upon with the prophets and then teachers that continue to communicate it. Because if we lose our, lose our message, we have nothing. Okay? Then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helps. There it is, helps. Like, how'd that one get in there? Because helps are critical in the body of Christ. You know what I love about this church? You know, when, when, when you hear a need of people, the way this body rallies to minister to that need. I go back and tell people at Lancaster Bible College when I'm teaching, I'm saying, you know, the chapel's an amazing place. I know I get hard on you sometimes. But, but when I go somewhere else, I'm like, they're really good people. You know? And I mean, they, like when there's a need, they just rally. They write letters. They visit. They travel. They take people to places. You know, Danny, you can tell us all about that. Right? The, the church rallies. Helps is critical. It doesn't, it doesn't get near the press as other gifts. But the body doesn't function well without it. Helps, guidance, 
and of different kinds of tongues are all apostles. What's the answer to that? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. You can kind of get the cadence. And here's the flip side, and it's a translation issue, so I'll mention it to you quickly. My translation says, now or but, you could translate it, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. The word eagerly desire in the Greek can be either a command, an imperative, or it can be just an indicative statement. Same word, you could say one of two ways. You could either say, earnestly desire, or you could just say, you earnestly desire. You, either way, okay? It, you just have to figure it out based on context. And I think on this one, I disagree with the NIV. Because I think what Paul's doing is he's contrasting. And he's saying, folks, everybody in the body of Christ is important. All the gifts matter. God doesn't make everybody a prophet. Doesn't make everybody this or, or that. He doesn't. But you... You've chosen to de desire, quote-unquote, what you think are the greater gifts. Now, he's going to come back and play off of that in chapter 14. But I think what he's saying, here is God's attitude, and here is your attitude. Which one will you go with? And then, then it ends. Which opens us up to probably one of the most well-known chapters that we'll look at next week on love. So let me say this. Since the triune God has designed individual giftedness of members and interdependence between members within the body of Christ, I'm not just exercising my gift. I'm doing it with you. And you're doing it with me. You're doing your thing with me. And in the process, if I hear you're having a problem, you tell me and I tell you. And we talk about it. Because, you, you, you know, we're connected. Okay? Makes sense? So there's both individual giftedness and interdependence. Since that's the case, each believer should value all believers and their giftedness. So, I don't know if I had one after that. Yeah. I don't know why. I thought, yeah, I made this up, some of the different dynamics that I've just said. I'll leave it there. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just wanna, I just want to leave you with this. If you're a Christian, I have a word for you. If you're here today and you're saying, I slip in on Sunday morning, I slip out, and I slip back in the next Sunday and slip back out. You're not helping this body in the long run. No, no, no. Now, just meeting you and seeing your smiling face helps us. Okay, fair enough. Okay. But God wants more than that, folks. You say, but, but, but I don't know exactly what my gift is. And, you know, there's all kinds of gift inventories out there and all. But you know what I tell people? Just jump in and start doing something. There's a need. And, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out in the process. Talk to somebody. If, if I tell you I think I have the gift of teaching, 
and nobody that listens to me has the gift, gift of listening, well, you know, maybe I ought to think about something else, right? You, you know, I mean, so you, people can affirm these things with us too, so we should listen to people in the process. The point is this, we need you. This body needs you. God designed you to be actively involved here. That's number one. Number two, I'm talking to a lot of people that are very involved, and we praise God for you. Don't leave. And I would just encourage you to realize, how might you be able to encourage others to get involved? One way may be merely to see them after a service and go over and talk to them even though you don't know them. And in doing that, you're saying, I value you. I'd like to get to know you. I'm here to pray for you. It's not, I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? It's basic things. So I don't know where God's put his finger in your life. But this has convicted me. I won't give you my list of convictions because I got a bunch of them. But God's convicted me on this passage. I, I hope he's both encouraged you and challenge you from this text. I, I ought to say this. After I mentioned this to Tim beforehand. I'm leaving from Michigan. I got to get back, be all packed, and leave by 2.30. And it's, it takes me almost two hours to get home. So, in the final prayer, I'm leaving. Okay? <laughs> and you're going to say, Finkbinder doesn't even practice what he preaches. I'm sorry. I don't normally do that. My granddaughter is out there in Michigan. I'm going. Okay? Okay, I'm going. So... <laughs> So, so if you don't see me afterwards, you know, that, that, that's, I'll, I'll pray for you as I drive. <laughs> just, just so you know, because people might be like, well, what's up with that guy, you know? I mean, why are we even listening to him? That, that's what's going on. We love you. Not as much as we should, but we do. And our passion for you as the leadership that God will unleash the members of this church, of this body, in ways that are consistent with their giftedness so that we can be the biggest place in, in, in this area. Nope. So we can have a lot of money and raise our salaries. Nope. So that we can glorify God with more and more people so that he is praised. That's our heart. That's it. That's it. Let's pray. Father, this is amazing what you've chosen to do, Lord. It's amazing to me. You, the God of the universe, have, have not only loved us in the person of your Son by sending him. You have given us the Spirit. You, you have created the body of Christ here in this place. That we might have the opportunity of showing off you to the world around us. Lord, help us. Help us to engage. Help us to be part of the team. Help us to do our part and to love one another and then sit back and watch. Watch you work.
So, Father, do your good work. We want to just have a tiny glimpse of the way it will be in the new heavens and the new earth. And may we be that glimpse for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.